we're going to look at that today. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? This is God speaking, so listen closely. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Let's pray together. Father, help us to understand what was going through the mind and the hearts of the Israelites when you gave them this great promise. We pray for 2023. You already know what's going to happen. In the life of every one of the seven plus billion people on this planet, you already know what's going to happen. This week, next week, and every week in our life and in the life of this church. We only ask and pray right now that whatever happens in 2023, that you're pleased with it and it is a part of your plans and your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Today is the beginning of a new year. If there's anything I can say about 2022, it's that it seems to have gone by in five minutes. It was so quick. It didn't seem so at the time, but as I look back, I, I find myself wondering, what, what, what happened? How is it possible? I'm just now getting used to writing 2022 on my checks and deposit slips, and now I have to remember 2023. Um, what happened in your life? What happened in my life? What happened in the life of this church? We're going to look at the life of the church in a few weeks at the State of the Church address coming up on the 29th of this month. I encourage you to be here for that. We're going to look at our past, our present, and what God has in store for us in the future here at the church. As for my life and that of my family, I'll give you a brief update, but what I want to do this morning is focus on your own life. What has happened? Where are you right now? spiritually speaking, and in every other aspect in your life. And where is God leading? What does he have in store for you in the 12 months ahead? So today's message is entitled, Finding a Fresh Start, 2023. For Terry and I, 2022 was one of the biggest transitional years in our 24 years of marriage. Our children started moving out of the house this year, our daughter, who was 14 yesterday and now is 23 somehow and is about to turn 24, um, she decided to move into a place of her own. And it was time, I'm told. And uh, we, are, we are going through withdrawal. I, you know, uh, it just is what it is, but we're happy for her. But we are adjusting. Our oldest son, Isaac, is a sophomore in college. He has a, a job, and so we barely see him. Our baby son is 16, as I've told you now. He's the biggest member of our household. He's six foot three, wears size 15 shoe, 
and he outweighs me by 40 pounds. He, he is, however, handy at moving furniture and pretty much anything else. For those of you who are a little bit older, he reminds me of Jethro in the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, that's Luke. We, we, he, fortunately, I don't think he has any idea who that is. So we moved into a new home this year, my wife and I. Uh, we, uh, I wanted to provide a home for my family in the uh, hopefully unlikely case that I kicked the bucket. Uh, we, I, don't, I don't plan on kicking the bucket but anytime soon, but none of us do. We apparently decided to have a house built in the craziest year in the U.S. Uh, history of the U.S. housing market. And what a year it was. Prices went crazy. We had to wait six months for brick. And it wasn't even the brick I wanted. It's just how it was. The whole, the whole industry just went crazy. It's coming back to its senses now, by the way. Shockingly, quickly, uh, thank you to the government who has raised interest rates so high, nobody wants to buy a house anymore. And so it's coming back more to a normal market. Um, it took us in total 16 months to build a house that was supposed to take five months. But we're finally in, so if something happens to me, I'll be in heaven and my life insurance policy should just about pay off the house. So win-win, <laughs> either way. And that brings us to our passage for today. And today's question, where are you in God's grand plan for this world and for your life? Where are you? If we don't ponder that today, then when? It's a good time to do it. Today is the very first day. It is 2023. Last year is over. Best year or worst year, it's over. Richest year or poorest year, it's over. A year where you were just in jubilee every day or in misery every day, it's over. And God has given us a brand new year. Um, for you and I, I think it's fair to say it would be best if we jump into God's plan uh, and that we stop doing some things in our life and start doing some new things in our life for this year to be beneficial for us and beneficial in God's kingdom. And I'm assuming you believe that too. By the way, for, for New Year's Day, this is a great group. This is a great crowd. I'm glad you're here. It's a good way to start off the year in God's house. Amen? Amen. And so, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Uh, I love that enthusiasm. But we need to, to be fair, no matter where you are in your life, in your spiritual walk, for you and for me, for all of us, there are some things in order for God to be glorified in our life and in our church in 2023, there are some things that we need to stop doing and other things we need to start doing. And that would apply to every year of our life. I don't think there's anybody sitting out there or watching this morning that thinks, no, I want to go downhill this year. I want it to be worse than last year. I assume you want your life to be better, to, to be honored by God and, and God to be pleased with your life and you to be blessed by God in 2023. In other words, as the new year begins, let's have a fresh start. To do that, we need to understand a few things from the Bible about how a fresh start works. 
Because believe it or not, in our world, in our culture, a fresh start is often not really a fresh start at all. It's just to pretend. It's like the diet you go on for three days before, you, before your first cheat day, you know. Well, in the kingdom of heaven, there are no cheat days. If you're going to have a fresh start, it needs to be fresh. Uh, it needs to be a fresh start. So, just a couple things to keep in mind this morning before we go. Number one, a fresh start requires God's hand. A fresh start requires God's hand. I'm not here today as some sort of philosophical teacher or a self-help guru to tell you if you, you, can, you can do this and you can do that and if you unlock this and change that, fix that, then you're going to have a great year. Apart from God, you're not going to have a great year. He is the key to all of it. So a fresh start requires God's hand. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says this as he as he's speaking to the church in Corinth, which again was a messed up church. They had a lot of problems, but he's speaking to them and he's pouring out his heart to them. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he talks about the old being gone and the new being here, and all of that is wrapped up in Christ. It stems from faith in Christ. And he says, all of this is from God. And then he explains how God did this. He reconciled us to himself through Christ. What a wonderful verse. It's both a goal of our life before our salvation and the purpose of our life after salvation. And I'll get to that last part of the verse in just a minute. To start, if you have not yet surrendered your life to Christ, you need to do that here, today, now. There are no loopholes. There's no plan B. There's no alternative. There is nothing else uh, that's not as good, but it'll still get you there. That's not in the Bible. That's a lie of this dark world that all paths lead to heaven. Do what you want. God will adapt his plan to your plan. Nope, he will not. God's plan for your life begins with your absolute surrender to him in faith, period. I know that's not easy, uh, but that is the way that it is. If you want to have a better life, it begins with surrender. If you don't surrender, you're going to continue going through life with you in charge, and you in charge has not produced the kind of life that God wants you to have. And so you have to surrender to Christ. Paul tells us that by your surrender in Christ, you are an improved creation. No, he says you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Secondly, a fresh start results in a fresh purpose. A fresh start results in a fresh purpose. Everybody lives their life with some kind of purpose, and it may be a terrible purpose, a bad purpose, an okay purpose, but if you want to have a fresh start in your life, 
The best thing you can possibly do is find the correct purpose for your life and do that. And many people try anything, everything, except the right purpose in their life. They work so hard. They strive so long. They're exhausted. And that may be you as well. But in the end, you're, you're exhausting yourself toward the wrong end, toward the wrong purpose. And it's not producing a fresh start. A fresh start results in a fresh purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, just a few more verses down, says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. There's your purpose. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here we go. 2023, we are first and foremost Christ's ambassadors. Did you catch that in the verse? He starts with, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We have come to Christ. We have given our life to Christ. We surrendered him and to him and Christ has forgiven us of our sins. He has redeemed us. He paid the price for us on the cross. And as a result, therefore, that's what therefore is therefore, therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. You don't represent you anymore. The focus of your life is no longer you. God will take care of you. Your fo focus is on serving Christ and him alone. Philippians 1.21 says it this way. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you understand when he says, I'm, when I die, I'm going to gain. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to gain a new body. I'm going to be with Christ in heaven. And, and there's so much to gain there. That's another sermon. But he begins it by saying, for to me, to live is Christ. For me, to live is Christ. The Times reporter of the New Philadelphia, Ohio, uh, reported in September of 1985 a celebration of a New Orleans municipal pool. The party around the pool was held to celebrate the very first summer in memory without a drowning, not one single drowning at this New Orleans pool. And so they had this big party to celebrate that. And in honor of the occasion, 200 people attended and over 100 of them were actually certified lifeguards. So it's a big party of the lifeguards and another 100 people were there on top of that, large crowd. And as the party uh, was breaking up of mostly lifeguards and there on top of that, there were four other lifeguards that were on duty and they began to clear the pool. They found a fully dressed body in the deep end of the pool. They tried to revive Jerome Moody. He was 31 years of age, but it was too late. He had drowned, surrounded by lifeguards, celebrating their successful season as lifeguards. True story. Over 100 lifeguards in the pool and around the pool, and the guy drowned and nobody even noticed. Wow. Well, we've had a great year at First Baptist Church. But don't forget... In the year ahead, why we're here on this little blue ball, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And if 2020 
three is going to be a great year. It will depend upon whether or not we are living and succeeding as Christ's ambassadors. Are we doing that? Well, nationally, God's ambassadors are struggling. I'm sorry, I don't want to show you this chart. It'll make you sad. But you got to start somewhere. And, and today's a good time to do that. This is a... Are we having problems with the microphone? Is that my beard? I'll move it out. Is that better? Okay. All right, there's the chart. I don't know if you can, you can tell much from this chart, but you see in 1972, beginning over on the left, that's 1972, this is the amount of Americans who claimed to be Christian. It was 90%. And as it went through the years, down to 2018, it's now gone down to 63%. And that was, what, five years ago. Now, you'll see down here at the bottom, this line that's moving forward, it's supposed to be blue. Uh, that actually is people who are religiously unaffiliated in the United States. And you see that went down from 5% to 29%. And so you see as those who profess to be Christians goes down, those who profess to have no religion at all is going up. And you can do the math if we continue over to about here. We are only about six or eight or maybe 10 years away from having more unreligious people in the United States than Christians in the United States. And you, if you continue to do the math, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Our country is becoming an increasingly secular society. It's not because of the power of the cross. The power of the cross has the ability to transform lives, to change nations. Something has happened to God's ambassadors. We are not doing what our forefathers once did. And I don't mean to beat you up, but if we're going to look at 2023 with sobriety, Azel is a growing area. It is a harvest field ripe for harvest. And God has planted you and me here to harvest that field. He's given us a great field, by the way. Again, as I've told you before, there's a whole lot of lost people in Azel. Just go to Walmart. You'll see them everywhere. <laughs> as, as a slur on Walmart. I'm sorry, Walmart. I apologize. People in this community need Christ. Amen? Fortunately, God has a big plan for that. That's you and me to be his ambassadors. Many years ago in St. Louis, a lawyer visited a Christian to transact some business. Before the two parted, his client said to him, I've often wanted to ask you a question, but I've been afraid to do so. What do you want to know? Asked the lawyer. The man replied, I've wondered why you're not a Christian. The man hung his head. He said, I know enough about the Bible to realize it says no drunkard can enter the kingdom of heaven and you know my weakness. You're avoiding my questions, continued the believer. Well, truthfully, he said, I can't recall anyone ever explaining to me exactly how to become a Christian. Picking up a Bible, the client read some passages showing that all are under condemnation because of our sin, but that Christ came to save the lost by dying on the cross for their sins, by receiving him as our substitute and our redeemer. He says, you can be forgiven if you're willing to receive Christ, pray with me, and you can surrender yourself to him today. The lawyer agreed, and when it was his turn, he exclaimed, Oh Jesus, I am a slave to drink. One of your servants has shown me how to be saved. 
Oh God, forgive my sins and help me overcome the power of this terrible habit in my life. Right there, right then, he was converted. The lawyer was C.I. Schofield, who later edited the reference Bible that bears his name, the Schofield Study Bible. God is in the business of transforming lives. It would shock you and me probably one day as we stand before the throne of God to find out the ambassadors that God had appointed here in Azel. If only we will share the gospel with them. Third, a fresh start is a fresh start only if you're starting fresh. <laughs> That's what I alluded to a while ago. And this is Lee Sot theology here, sorry. Uh, again, one of my professors said, I always have a flair for the obvious. A fresh start is a fresh start only if you're starting fresh. That is, a fresh start is more than a platitude. It's more than saying, okay, I guess I'll try. I'll give it a shot. No. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, our passage for today, that famous passage where God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and he has brought the, the nation of Israel and Judah under judgment. He said, because of your idolatry, because of your unfaithfulness, I'm going to deliver you into the hands of the Babylonians, which he did. Nebuchadnezzar came in destroyed everything, took all the temple furnishings away and took most of the people away as slaves, left Jeremiah there because he was elderly and they decided he couldn't make the, the trip, the journey. It was a pretty good journey, pretty long journey to Bab Babylon, so he left the elderly. So Jeremiah was left there and in the midst of all the devastation, the beautiful temple of Solomon was completely destroyed and obliterated. And, and it was just horrible. It was the worst case scenario possible. And the Israelites, who called themselves God's people, but followed after other gods and paid no attention to God at all, they simply did not believe the warnings God gave through Jeremiah. Rejected them. The king rejected them. The people rejected them. They all laughed at him and mocked him. Didn't believe him. So God sent this judgment. But in the midst of this judgment, and this is how God works, in the midst of this awful atrocity, an entire nation being hauled away as slaves, God says, I'll make you this promise. In the midst of that horrible moment, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's that last sentence that you need to notice. We love the first part of this passage. The great plans, the prosper, not to harm, to give you hope, to give you a future. I love that too. But he says all of this is wrapped up in this, this most important part down at the bottom. It says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That means if you, you just blurb out this morning a, a before the meal prayer, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this food, amen. You know, that prayer that we pray just so we can get to the good eating, <laughs> we don't really mean the prayer, it's just something to do before we eat and we come to church and we blurb out a, a prayer to God just because it's something to do because we're in the sanctuary, that won't work. 
That didn't work for them and it won't work for us. God says, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, when you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And God will do what he needs to do to get you to seek him with all your heart. And you may be in a place and a point right now where you're going, oh God, why, why, why has this happened in my life? Well, God has positioned you so that you will seek him with all your heart. And he wants you to come to him this morning. I love that part. I love that verse. Famous preacher A.W. Tozer said this, If we yearned after God, even as much as a cow yearns for her calf, we would be in the worshiping and effective, we, excuse me, we would be the worshiping and effective believers God wants us to be. If we longed for God as a bride looks forward to the return of her husband, we would be a far greater force for God than we are right now. It is that longing that God seeks, desires, and deserves from us. Now notice the good news. I'm not... I'm not going to focus on that first part, but it's still there. God makes it clear, even to Israel, even in the midst of their misery and their judgment, God says, I, this wasn't my plan. This is the result of your sin. And let me tell you about my plans. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Don't you know that God wants to bless the United States? He once did. He blessed us for decades and centuries. In fact, God desires to bless the United States, even though we may well be headed for judgment. But that's not God's plan. That's our sin that does that as a nation. But God's desire, I assure you, he is watching us closely on his throne in heaven. And he's looking down and says, United States, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. But you need to seek me with all your heart. And of course, Israel had to turn from their idolatry and he purged them. Boy, they got the ultimate attitude adjustment. That 50 or so years there in Babylon made them reconsider. Pause for reflection. And so when they went back, they made sure that there were no idols anymore. Charles Swindle tells about the famous composer pianist uh, and I'm going to get his name wrong, Ignatz Jan Paderewski. I'm just going to say great pianist. He was scheduled to perform at a great concert hall in the United States. It was an evening to remember. Black tuxedos and, a long, and long evening dresses, a high society extravaganza. Present in the audience that evening was a mother with her fidgety nine-year-old son. And you may have heard this story before. True story, weary of waiting, this little nine-year-old squirmed consistently in his seat. His mother was in hopes that her son would be encouraged to practice the piano if he could just hear this amazing pianist perform. So she drug him there against his wishes. As she turned to talk to her friends, her son could stay seated no longer. He quietly slipped away from her, strangely drawn to the ebony concert Grand Steinway there on the stage <laughs> with its leather tufted stool on the huge uh, platform flooded with blinding lights 
Without much notice from the sophisticated audience as they were talking, the boy went up there, sat down on the stool, mom not even knowing, Staring, uh, staring wide-eyed at the black and white keys, he placed his small little fingers in the right location and began to play chopsticks. The roar of the crowd was hushed as hundreds of frowning faces pointed in his direction. Irritated and embarrassed, they began to shout, Get that boy away from there. Where's his mother? Somebody should stop him. Backstage, the master pianist overheard the sounds out front and quickly put together what was happening. He grabbed his coat and rushed onto the stage. Without one word of announcement, he put one hand to the left of the little boy and one hand to the right of the little boy on the keys. And right there, he improvised an accompaniment for chopsticks. And chopsticks greatly improved. <laughs> But all the while he was playing, he was whispering into the boy, the little boy's ear, keep going, don't quit, keep on playing, don't stop, don't quit. And that is how God would respond to us. Your life and my life are a bit of a mess. We're rookies. It's our first time. <laughs> it's our first time through this, this world, our only time, by the way, you don't get another one. I don't care what Hollywood says. They just keep re resurrecting every character they want to. They kill them. And, and it used to be sad when somebody died in a movie. Now I think, no, there's going to be a sequel. <laughs> They're going to clone him. Something will happen. But the reality is we get one shot. It's our first shot. And we are rookies at this. And we need a master to teach us and to show us and to guide us. And his name is Jesus Christ. Keep Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. Would you be willing to do that today? First Sunday, first day of 2023. Don't wait till February. You already lost a month. Do it here. Do it now. If you've never surrendered to Christ, and by the way, that word surrender is just that. It means surrender. The Bible says, and Paul explains it, that we die to ourselves. We're dead. Our old self is gone. In order for a new life to begin, we have to die to self. We sell out to Christ. We, we don't sell out. We give it to Christ. And you say, God, you own me now. I belong to you. I belong to my Savior. My Savior calls the shots from here on out. Whatever you want me to do, Savior, I'm going to do that. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Perfect time to do it. Don't wait. Don't waste any more time because tomorrow... Listen to me. Tomorrow is December 30th. It will go by just like that, just like the last year. Don't waste another year. Come to him today. Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning. And we want, first of all, we want to thank you for last year. It went by quickly in our mind. I can only guess as to how quick it was in your mind, the last trillion years you could sum up in the snap of a finger. The next trillion years you've already seen. So it was brief for you too. But Father, we ask and pray here and now for 2023. Whatever good happened last year, it's last year. 
and you desire good things from us, for us, and through us in the name of Christ in 2023, in the year to come. We can't just remember the good times of the past. You desire to create goodness in us this year, right now, today. Father, for the bad things that happened in our life, whether it was not because of us, it was inflicted upon us, because of the fallen world that we live in, the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, that was last year too. And I pray as we begin a new year, a new start, that you would give us the strength in your spirit to let it go. All the bad is gone, it's over, it's in the past. That we come to you right now and we say, God, I'm not gonna rehash that all year long. I'm not gonna wallow in that misery in this year to come. I'm not gonna ruin this year because of last year. I'm gonna release it to you. I'm gonna let you have it right now. I'm gonna give it to you. I will bring it to your altar. I will leave it at the altar and I will have a fresh start this year. As you pray, and maybe you need to come to faith in Christ, you need to surrender. Don't just flirt with the idea of giving your life to Christ or say, well, I'll try it like another diet. You need to surrender and you know it. If you're in that place in your life right now, I, I challenge you to surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. You acknowledge before him that you need a savior. We all need a savior. There's sin in your life, and you know it because there's sin in all of our lives. And the result of that sin, the Bible says, is death. The penalty for that sin is death. And that's just the way it is. That's not God's doing, that's our doing. But God loves you. He didn't want you to die in your sins. It's not why he made you. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. And I'm not talking about money. I'm speaking spiritually as God was to the Israelites. God has a purpose for you. But you need to surrender yourself to him. God, I surrender. I give my life to Christ. I believe that he came back to life after three days. I believe what, Bible, what the Bible tells me is true. I believe in the resurrection of Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I surrender to him. Will you do that today? Right here, right now. It may be you just want to come and dedicate this year to God, 2023. If not now, then when? Now's the time. God, I give this year to you. I pray you're glorified this year. Maybe you want to come and say, God, on your knees, God, I am your ambassador for 2023. Wherever I am, wherever I go, I'm going to seek out every opportunity you give me to share my faith, the good news in Jesus Christ. Give me strength. Give me courage. Give me the power to share my faith, to be your ambassador. Would you pray that? Would you stand? No one's looking around. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. This is your opportunity. Right here, right now. Will you come?